the biggest problem I try and solve for is to answer that so what question. I bought a Peloton. I'm a Peloton person now. Getting up on that treadmill is literally 97% of the battle. <laughs> we can use that same knowledge with our sellers. We just got to get them there. It's all about that catalyst to engage them. Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence. Systems and processes are absolutely crucial for consistency in sales, especially now that the sales tech stack is as complex as it's ever been and probably ever will be. One can really understand how sales reps might feel overwhelmed when they are asked to juggle multiple platforms during a sales cycle. And that's exactly where digital adoption comes into play. Our guest in this week's episode is a digital adoption superstar, and she will share her top tips to support the human element of digital transformation in sales. Please welcome Cisco's sales enablement and digital adoption lead, Stephanie Sarabian. Stephanie, welcome to the state of sales enablement. Thank you so much for having me. Where are you dialing in from today? So I am from the great state of Utah. It's um, right in the Rocky Mountains and it's just gorgeous here. Awesome. Awesome. I'm familiar with Utah only from uh, my endless hours of watching basketball, but I hear it's a nice part of the world. So I hope I'll make it over there sometime. Yeah, well, I'll take you to a jazz game if you come out. It's pretty fun. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sold. I'm sold already. Hey, Stephanie. So tell us who's Stephanie and what's been your career journey so far? It's been, I feel like I've had like three careers. You know, I, I studied theater in college, which basically allowed me to do nothing. You know, nobody, I feel like when you're in college, everyone's just like, yeah, take classes, learn, learn. And nobody tells you that when you get out, everything's going to be technology and you've never so much as opened up an Excel spreadsheet. So that was fun. But I kind of got into sales enablement through learning and development. A couple of years ago, I was sitting in my instructional design team at T-Mobile for Business and I was just kind of happy being in that little corner. I was creating training for the sales teams for B2B, and it was just a fun place to be. But you know, when on April 2020, COVID was scaring us all and running rampant and T-Mobile decided to merge with Sprint on April 1st. <laughs> so it wasn't great timing, but at the same time, it kind of was the catalyst for me starting to think about my career. And did I just want to be kind of this order taker who sat in learning and development? And as these two companies came together, it was literally like when you move in with your partner and you have two of everything. You've got, you know, instead of two rice cookers, it's two forks, it's, or two forks, it's, you know, two instances of Salesforce and these two different strategies. And I'd always been so focused on helping the sellers adopt technology and use their tech stack. And I just kept getting frustrated because I felt like programs launched and then I would get called. And I had such little impact. I, I knew that I could have such a greater impact if I actually was part of the strategy. So as this big sales enablement team was coming together with these two companies, I kind of kept metaphorically scooting my desk over <laughs> to go sit by the sales enablement team. And I kept sneaking into meetings and trying to learn what new initiatives and what strategies they had coming up. And that really just led me to search for a career over the next couple of years where I could just do that and not have to sneak in. And that's led me to just joining Cisco this year on their global sales enablement team and working on the innovation team. So really just a fun journey getting here. Awesome. Awesome. And 
You're also very active on LinkedIn, uh, producing lots of content. I'm a big fan of the kind of stuff that you've put out in the past. I think there's this new wave of content coming on LinkedIn in particular that actually makes B2B subject matter exciting. And I think your content is definitely a reflection of the, like how entertaining it can be and how good it can be. So I so wanted to let you know, I really appreciate the kind of stuff that you put out and I hope that you, with your new job, still find the time to produce some of that content as well. I want to get back into it. I just, I want to have fun on LinkedIn. I, it's great to share these tips. It's great to share these long articles, but how much better to get on LinkedIn and just kind of have a laugh and not take ourselves too seriously. So I feel like I, I'm kind of the person who I really want to achieve something and I, I need to keep going until I get that first big win. So I feel like once I get that first big win here at Cisco, I'll be doing everything. But until then, I feel like I need to prove myself first. <laughs> so part of what you've been doing was digital adoption, right? Like this is a subject matter that you've been really focused on. And for those of you that aren't familiar with digital adoption, how does it work and how does it fit into the context of sales enablement as a broader discipline? So digital adoption is pretty new. I think about when I entered the workforce, there was nothing like a digital adoption platform. But what it is, is I describe it as makeup, where you have your base, you have your foundation, and then the digital adoption platform just kind of enhances everything. Now it's like the contour. I feel like the ladies will understand this and hope anybody could really understand this, but that's how it makes more sense to me. It just enhances the best features of a platform and just makes it look more appealing, I think. It's kind of like a glass layer that sits over your platform and just kind of shows the seller where to go and drives your strategy. As an organization, you create this strategy and you get the right people. You define the processes and you design the sales playbook for everything from prospecting to account management and expansion. Then you end up with this giant tech stack and it's only getting bigger. <laughs> I know in my last organization, we had a pretty small sales team and we still had about 20 platforms at Cisco. Maybe it's double. There's just so many platforms and a seller has to just hopscotch across all these platforms on a daily basis to hopefully meet quota at the end of the quarter, right? We just want to make it easier for them. And what I do at Cisco is I really take a look at the strategy. I take a look at the why. And then what I use a digital adoption platform for is I define these key processes within a seller's day. I look at what gets them there. I look at what they need to do. And then I look at how I can get them into a new process once they're done. And that really defines for the seller the, the so what, as my team describes it. Like, why are they doing this? And it kind of helps them find value in having all these different ways to go about a process. And what I really like to do is I love to integrate playbooks. I love to use content. I don't want to try and reinvent the wheel and create a new strategy, but I love using the playbooks we currently have and integrating them into the platform. I love automating processes. So if prospecting an account takes 20 clicks, can I click some of those buttons for them with the digital adoption platform and get them through faster? And hopefully nobody cries throughout the day and everybody meets quota. <laughs> That's right. So just playing devil's advocate here, if you help sellers to be more successful with the kind of tech stack that you have in place and bring the tech stack in the context of the strategy that has been defined in an ideal world, wouldn't that technically be the job of customer success from the respective tech platform? You would think that. <laughs> I know as I've worked with vendors, I'm like, okay, you got to help me here. Like, yeah. we can't. And even working at coming from a startup before Cisco, where 
every quarterly business review, they had to prove value. I think that it's just another layer of support that you can provide. So not only are you helping them do the processes within the platform, but you're also just integrating your own strategy. You're integrating the support and the context around it, which I don't know that the platform provider can provide. You know, why are you looking at this table? Why are you looking at this graph? What is it within an opportunity page or an account page that can get you to think about the next opportunity and how to upsell? Got it. Got it. So it's more about the deep insights that you have about your internal processes and the internal workings that an external vendor wouldn't be able to identify. And you essentially then do that translation work. Absolutely. And I think these providers should be making sure that, you know, their pages work and that there's no outages. I know that whenever there's a platform outage, like LinkedIn blows up. And I think LinkedIn was out. So everyone went to Twitter one day. That was such a weird day. I'm like, oh, I guess I have to go to Twitter to talk to people. What's happening? But these outages happen. So the vendors need to definitely do their work and do their due diligence to make sure that their platform has everything a company needs. But at the same time, there's just that extra level of strategy that I don't think that a customer team can provide for you. Yeah, absolutely. And just to bring that into a more tangible context for listeners, when you think about specific use cases or common problems that you solve as a digital adoption professional, what are those typically? I think the biggest problem I try and solve for is to answer that so what question. I think that a lot of times there really is a good strategy in place. We implement platform after platform. We say, look, a seller can come here and do this. But like, are they going to? <laughs> like, how do we get them there? I think that's like 90% of the battle. I just bought a gorgeous treadmill. I bought a Peloton. I'm a little, I'm a Peloton person now. And sure, it's gorgeous. It's sitting there. It is the top of the line. There's class after class I can take. And me getting up on that treadmill is literally 97% of the battle. <laughs> I have to say, they have a fantastic adoption once you get on there. I have never quit a class I've taken, and I'm a lazy human. So if I am so engaged with actually performing the task, then I think that we can use that same knowledge with our sellers to think, you know, once they get there, we just got to get them there. We just got to get them to that account console. We just got to get them to that point where they reach out to the customer success team and set that account meeting. It's all about that catalyst to engage them. Yeah. It sounds like you're specifically solving for that whole human element of digital adoption and the adoption of new technology, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's easier to be a little lazy. And I, it's easier not to input your data perfectly into Salesforce. And the consequences of not inserting an account or inserting a lead or opportunity correctly really impact the pipeline, really impact the forecast models. And so even just looking at these pain points, saying what affects all this data down here, what is that starting point? And saying, can we use a digital adoption platform to make sure that they answer these fields, that they enter the correct data, and that they have access to a platform to verify contact information. So that's another big example is just filling out forms correctly. No one wants to fill out forms. These aren't data entry specialists. These are sellers with incredible skills. It's tedious. It's not fun. So just kind of make it as easy as possible for them and make it as, as quick and painless. <laughs> got it. Got it. So if we look at digital adoption from a macro level, a lot of businesses are going through digital transformation and they are upgrading the way they do business from a process point of view, but also from a systems point of view. So a lot of investments are being made 
which is typically the background of investment in sales tech, the broader digital transformation piece. And something that I come across over and over again is just the discussion how that human element actually fits into the broader digital transformation and often something that also businesses don't really consider. What are, from your experience, the most common mistakes businesses make when planning for that human element of digital transformation? As much as I know I can do with a digital adoption platform and as much as I, I've seen success, nothing in the world can substitute the need for the frontline manager engagement and really having your pulse on what the frontline is saying, the data and how they interact with the platform that definitely tells a story, but just understanding the sentiment. What's the behavior that's causing them to not want to do this? Is it because their managers don't care? Is it because in their one-on-one, -on -one, the manager isn't explaining the value and how the seller can meet quota by following the prescribed processes? I think that's a huge thing that even I don't feel like I've tapped into enough in change management. So getting people from one place to another and making that move, there's this huge emphasis on this preferred sender or this preferred messenger. Who does this person want to hear this from? And who will they believe the value that they can bring from making the changes necessary? I think that one thing that I really want to do here at Cisco is really work with these strike forces. I think at Cisco, we call them tiger teams, which I love that. I want my own tiger team. Even if it's not, I just want to call it a tiger team. But really just engaging from the initiation of a program and from that strategy, just having that input, saying what somebody in Singapore, if this will bring value to a seller in Singapore for global teams, if this will bring value to somebody in the UK and in the Americas with the huge change happening in the world with, of course, COVID and the supply chain issues. And then, of course, the huge change in the, the repercussions of what's happening in Eastern Europe, which is horrific, that really changes a lot. And the preferred sender is definitely those people managers, those director of sales, those sales managers who are bringing clarity around any changes coming and who are a source of trust and a source of confidence. So I think that any sales enablement team needs to have this tiger team of sorts and needs to have their finger on the pulse of how their sales teams are feeling about all the changes, of course, happening in the world. And then, of course, the changes they're trying to make in the digital transformation space. Yeah, it sounds like a digital adoption is not much different to any other sales enablement discipline in the sense that without the frontline sales managers buying in, nothing really will happen, right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm not a, I don't come from sales, unfortunately. We have individuals on our team who sold at Cisco for decades. I think their careers are old enough to drink by now. It's just, it's incredible the wealth of knowledge we have. And so we're able to draw from their experience, but at the same time, like knowing what they're thinking on April 11th, 2022, there's just no substitute for that. And if we think about organizations that might not have a dedicated digital adoption person in their team, possibly smaller businesses, mm -hmm. what would your tip be for people who might drive digital adoption part-time to make that as effective as possible? I think definitely still being engaged at that initiation stage. And I think that as sales enablement professionals, you know, we work with training teams and sometimes people just think of us as a training initiative and a training organization. But at Cisco, especially, we brought in incredible individuals. It's like they're assembling a team of Avengers. We have Glenn Lally from Google. We have my manager, Cameron Tanner from AWS and people coming in from Sony Ericsson just all over the world to come to Cisco to help them make this change. And the goal is just to 
have people who say, instead of a one hour webinar, how about we create something that can go on the screen for the seller? And we're still engaging these resources that we have, these instructional designers, these trainers, and just having them create different medians of art, basically, or different medians of training. So it's really a quick decision at that analysis stage. You want to think, okay, do we want, let's think about the end result. What will get this seller to the outcome? Do we want to have somebody build with a digital adoption platform part-time and upskill them into this new industry? Or do we want to have a 45-minute webinar where we just see who's completed it and that's it? It's really a choice. And at Cisco, we're really making the conscious effort to have kind of a 70-20-10 model where only 10% of a seller's learning should be taking place in formal environments. 20% should be, you know, peer-to-peer and learning and coaching. And then that 70% needs to happen on the job. So how can we allocate resources and upskill our own teams even and make that investment in our own people to support that initiative of giving individuals and giving all these sellers all this support within the flow of their work? Got it. Got it. So... Like when I lead conversations in market with sales organizations, but also sales tech vendors, I've seen a shift happening from essentially a gold rush in terms of just sales tech being bought left, right, and center and quantity over quality oftentimes to now a lot of organizations actually realizing that more isn't always better. From your experience and from your specific insight on the day-to-day in terms of the amount of technology that can be handled by a sales rep. How much technology is really too much to handle for a sales rep? For someone, it could literally be anything. You know, Salesforce can be too much for teams. I'm not going to mention what company, but I saw top performing reps literally keeping their leads and opportunities in Excel spreadsheets because they hated the pressure and accountability of having to reach these goals and milestones at a certain time. And then, of course, everything looked better when they just inserted all their information right before the end of the quarter and it looked like they made a sale in three hours. People will do anything to keep from changing sometimes. For example, and this is more of like a human example, when we moved into our house, you mentioned before we started chatting that you're moving houses. And I give one recommendation is to set up, if you have a garage, to set up an automatic garage thing where you can like close it from your phone and like it closes after five minutes automatically. Because when we moved into our house, I was like, I don't need that. I have never left the garage open in my life. Why would I do that? But one day we were coming home late from the playground. I was carrying a sick kid and I just needed to get everybody up into bed and I left the garage open and we were robbed (laughs) so bad. They stole tools out of our garage. They stole like my favorite handbag that I left in there. They stole my kids DVDs, like shame on them. But at the same time, shame on me because I was too lazy to adopt a very simple and very intuitive piece of technology because I didn't see the value. But, you know, if I had a police officer or a neighbor come up and say, hey, this is a really cool tool. It'll keep you from getting robbed. You know, we have a problem with robbery in this neighborhood. Then I would have really listened to that individual. And I think that while people might be going ham with technology and maybe getting too much to the point that it's a little overwhelming for refs, I still think that if you do have those top performers telling their success stories and doing these parent shares and doing these the social learning and letting individuals know about their playbook within the platform and what they do within the platform to be successful and meet quota, I think that other reps will see, you know what? It's not so hard. I can do it too. I can navigate 20 platforms. It'll be okay because so-and-so did it and he made President's Club. So I just think this emphasis on driving, helping them understand that value, helping a rep who's doing this for eight hours a day, 
realize the value in putting the right information into Salesforce at the right time or setting up the right cadence within their sales engagement platform. I just think that that makes all the difference. I think he's touched on something really interesting here about the social proof of certain adoption processes, right? And you mentioned the top performing rep that then shows the rest of the sales team what sort of impact can be created by adopting a certain platform. Is that a sort of mechanism that you commonly use or is that something that is often required to actually take adoption to the next level? I believe it is. And again, I haven't proven myself yet. I've still got to prove myself. But one thing I am doing at Cisco is I'm having these like top performer playbooks integrated. So they have this big account analytics page in Salesforce. They're supposed to be a recurring revenue seller. They're supposed to be the software seller where before they were a hardware seller that also sold software here at Cisco. It's a big change for them. But what I want to do is to have a button that says, hey, the I think we call it, it's not the President's Club, it's something like the President's Club here at Cisco, but I want to say like President's Club playbook and say, Josh in Cincinnati, this is his playbook for how to view account analytics and create a new opportunity in the same day based on what you see here on the screen. So I think there's ways it can be done. I think it really goes back to allocating your resources. Do you want an instructional designer or a trainer to spend two weeks creating an e-learning course on how to use account analytics? Or do you want to have them go chatting with reps in the field and finding the top performers and creating playbooks based on what they've done? So it's really a matter of you have these resources on your team. You have trainers, hopefully. How do you want to use their talents as talent development professionals? It's really up to you. Do you find that when it comes to digital adoption that sales reps are just consuming the sort of instructional content that's being provided? And there's obviously also a coaching element potentially, as you mentioned. But how proactive do you find sales reps to be when it comes to actually making suggestions for improving certain processes and for making the platform more effective for the business? Does that really happen? Or is it just a question of them just trying their best to learn as much as possible and then run with it? I think it's all about the culture you have. In a previous role, it was hard to work with other teams, but the sales development team who are considered, you know, entry level, you know, okay, just work with sales development. I'm like, but they're awesome. What do you mean just sales development? That team had such fantastic relationships with their managers that they did have that open line of communication. So as I was working with those sales development managers and those people leaders to create content that they knew their teams had been asking for, there was just that free flow of communication. So the sales development reps would even be messaging me and saying, oh, actually, I like this. This is how I prospect in LinkedIn Sales Navigator, or this is how my outreach message looked and it was good. So it's really all about creating that culture. And it's just, again, having your finger on the pulse and having that relationship with those teams. Awesome. Stephanie, we're running out of time, but I really appreciate you sharing all of your experience and for change, actually us creating a content piece together, like not only uh, you producing some of your awesome videos on LinkedIn, but you're actually recording something with me. So really excited that that finally happened. If people want to connect with you and potentially continue the conversation around digital adoption and explore some of the concept that we discussed in more detail, where can they find you online? Please contact me on LinkedIn, shoot me a message, connect with me. I also am in like nine Slack sales enablement channels. I don't know what they all are, but I'm in them all. I know that I got my current job because my hiring manager messaged somebody within a sales enablement Slack channel and said, hey, does anyone know about this digital adoption thing? 
And I got on the phone call and he was like, I think it's stupid, but change my mind type thing. <laughs> and by the end of the call, he'd asked me to, if I wanted to join his team. So there's always opportunities to reach out and I'm always happy to share what I've learned and hopefully learned from others as we connect. Awesome. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you so much. Next time on the State of Sales Enablement. So that is the challenge actually for marketers and salespeople. They feel like they source one tool and they are done. Unfortunately, by he saying this, the software is kind of like a living organism. <laughs> <laughs> beast. Yeah, it's a beast. And the, they are fed with a different code. So they are fed with a different food. So they are growing. If they are growing, then how we engage with them also need to change.